Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Matt McCoy. Welcome to season two of the Loop Community podcast. We're changing things up and how we do things around here. So hope you enjoy it. If you love this podcast, please do us a huge favor, rate it, share it, and leave a review. It means a lot. Enjoy. Even if you're bad at it and you enjoy it, <laughs> right? It, it's worth it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's bringing something to you that's so significant for you, not you know maybe for your bank account. But this is like this is what it means to dignify the heart that we've been given. What's up? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. We're passionate about providing tools and resources to help using tracks in worship. Super easy today. I'm with my good friend, John Guerra again. What's up? John, remember I was sitting on a corner downtown Chicago and you just like drove by, rolled down your window. Matt! <laughs> I'm like, John! <laughs> I was like, where are you going? I was just like laying outside trying to get some sun, I think. Oh this my is like gosh. downtown Chicago. Totally. And I like got in your car and then we went to Whole Foods. Oh, that's right. Then I got back in your car and you're like, where are you going? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going to... I'm going to go to Park Community Church tonight. You want to come? There's like a worship night for a bunch of young adults. And you went and dropped me off there. And that's actually where I ended up meeting my wife that that's night. That's right. I met Mary that night. Oh my gosh. But I always think about that. Serendipity. I know. If I didn't have a ride to that church, I may have never met my <laughs> wife. <laughs> so that was yeah, pretty good. That was a good day for you. It was. Collaboration is very important. That takes us into the podcast <laughs> interview that we have here. Because we're talking with Jared Anderson in this interview about a topic that you know a lot about, which is writing songs, co-writing, and the importance of collaboration, which I love doing this podcast with you because we're collaborating and two is better than one. True. Yeah, Jared's Jared's got so many fascinating things to say about songwriting and where, where his life has taken him is so interesting. And he's passionate about people bringing out what's in them whether it's useful or not, which is mm. cool. Yeah, he, he loves calling things out. Of people, calling it out, which yeah. Which is very, very kind. It's a selfless kind of way to be. Yeah, it's a good encouragement, good reminder. So this is an interesting interview. We'll dive into it, and then you and I, I'm sure, we'll talk a little bit about it. All right. Jared, thanks for joining the Loop Community Podcast. We just saw you last week with the Co-Write Gathering. And here we are. Loved here it. we are. That was an awesome couple of days. So like we hosted a songwriting gathering in downtown Chicago last week and had what, like 30 people come from all over the place just to yep. write worship songs. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Jared, tell us just a little bit about co-write and like where that idea came from. And So I grew up, I live in Colorado Springs, grew up at a church called New Life Church and it was maybe 1200 or so when i started attending there when i was like nine years old and then once i graduated from college they asked me to come on staff and it was like 10,000 members by that time so you know this is 2001 and the history of worship songwriting was just kind of coming into its own and the you know the dawn of CCLI and worship songs being on the radio was just kind of becoming a reality or or taking shape and notice. And so as young like songwriters, 
we were kind of let loose a little bit to try things and you were allowed to try stuff in youth groups and try stuff in prayer meetings and kind of ancillary meetings. We didn't really try stuff on Sunday morning, which was probably smart. But as I was part of the staff and team of leaders and writers, there was not a sense or a intention for collaboration. There just wasn't a track to run on. It wasn't until I was invited by a publisher to go to Nashville and was kind of set up like, hey, you're going to meet so-and-so at 10 o'clock and mm-hmm. you guys are going to write a song and you'll be done in four hours and I'll pick you up then. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, uh, okay, what is what is that? So, yeah, this whole kind of idea of like co-writing started to get more and more into it. And then as I would travel to churches and I, I saw worship teams and leaders that were also writing songs, making projects, but this sense of collaboration was not part of the routine. So I thought, man, what a cool thing. We're all kind of doing this. What if we did this together in a kind of organized format? And right. so we started in 2012, just gathering in Colorado. And then from there, it kind of became apparent, like, wow, not only do we need to collaborate on songs, we really need to, like, recover as artists and as creative people. Yeah. So I feel like the gatherings are kind of twofold. One, like, there's enough in you that you are the content and you don't need to go to workshops and hear from professionals because there's a lot in you that needs to come out. Yeah, right. And two, most of the practical tools and nuts and bolts, you can kind of learn on YouTube, but we definitely need to focus on what it means to like curate and take care of your creative heart. Yeah, and that's one of the things I noticed is like, it was providing a space for people who have this gift and maybe just haven't been given an opportunity like the platform even, or space to even to use it. And it was so cool just watching these writers from all over the place come in and just come to life. Like they were so pumped that they were building community with other writers. You know, it wasn't like a writing group of all famous worship songwriters. Right. For lack of a better word, it almost felt like the island of misfit toys. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But there was so much like joy there. And I think there's actually something really special about that because I feel like this is something that people feel like they can't do unless they are a Chris Tomlin or something. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? And we all feel like we're the only ones that think that, like that everyone else is getting on and doesn't wrestle with the doubt of, should I even bother at this? Right. Because is the song even going to be good to be used? Maybe I'm just bad at it. I'm not even going to do it. But they have this burning desire still to write. Yeah. So just like holding space for that tension. Yeah. And beginning to articulate why we got there. Like how our creativity and our voice has been kind of managed and mishandled in a lot of ways. And kind of what has that done to us? Why are we afraid of this? Why do we tend to sell ourselves kind of short when it comes to our creative gifts? Hmm. Like... I think when you can hold like the suffering of what it means to be creative, then you're invited kind of into the intimacy 
of what's possible. I think the idea that comes to mind is like, you know, when you have your first child, all of a sudden you see strollers everywhere. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like, whoa, everyone's like kind of in this. <laughs> and things that you just weren't super aware of it, weren't on your radar. Totally. Now they're on your radar. And when you see people in your same, you know, stage, you have like, like you can talk about, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This baby's so beautiful, but I've been up all night throwing up. You right. Know? So yeah, you realize there's this whole club that like exists that you aren't even aware of when you're, when you don't have a child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're aware that it exists, but you don't really care. No, you don't. Why would you? It doesn't apply to you. <laughs> but it's like you enter, like you get a badge or something to enter into this whole world. Yeah. So you're saying songwriting is similar? Very similar. You carry a weight that often other people don't acknowledge or identify with. And you're like, why Why do I hear the voices? And no one else does, you know? So you start, and sometimes you're made to feel like you're you're the crazy one, you know, of all your single friends, like you've got the wife and now you got the kid and you don't go out late at night with all the single friends. And so, yeah, with the creative voice and that tendency to like be drawn to something that's a little more off the radar or left to center can right. be isolating. Right. Yeah. I, mem I remember you talked a bit about, I mean, to go along with the line of children, I remember you talked a little bit about you know, the uncomfortableness, you know, that writing can bring, but the mercy that comes from that. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess I was listening to uh, a theologian or interview with a theologian guy, Walter Brueggemann, and um, he was saying in he both in Hebrew and Arabic, the word for mercy is related really closely to the word for womb, and that maybe mercy is like a metaphor or the i guess the womb would be the metaphor for mercy like you're carrying something that is such an expensive gift to give that you're holding something that you're you're capable of giving something to the world that is very very costly but also very powerful and so the act of like being creative is the act of being merciful and giving birth to something new that is beyond you. So that I think kind of helps reframe um, what it means to contribute to the dialogue here and for your voice to be right dignified and heard. Right. So I think so much of the time, we as songwriters and a lot of people are doing it kind of on the side, you know, it's not their full time thing. And it's just something we're curious about. And we're wondering, what will this do to me? If I go down this road, if I really try, will I just be more frustrated, more upset, and more disappointed? Or will I be more energized and will it like really fuel a lot of other areas of my life? That's the, the risk. Right. right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because just uh, last week I was doing some landscaping in our backyard and I'm not a landscaper and I spent all day long doing landscaping and I thought, you know what, like 
I probably should just hire someone who knows how to do this. Like maybe my time yeah. is better spent. You know, when I'm looking at it from like a dollar perspective, I'm like, my time is probably better spent doing something else that I'm good at. And I could pay yeah. someone else who's good at landscaping. And right. the reason I say that is because just yesterday I thought, man, I had such a great time at co-write, love writing songs. And I thought I should really just make time to do that more. But then the thought hit me, the same thought came to me and was like, you know what, but you're not a great writer. Your songs aren't going to be making millions like a reckless love or something. And so your time is probably better spent doing something else. Wow. And I kind of wonder if there's other worship leaders who are listening to this who have that feeling sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like why bother? And what would you say to, a, to someone like that? What would you say to me? Well, I think on both levels, like, the landscaping and the songwriting is kind of the voice of accusation in some ways of I'm not good at this. And maybe the better question is like, what do you want to do? Like if you get no joy out of like doing landscaping, then if you can afford not to, then don't, you know, like even if you're bad at it and you enjoy it, <laughs> right? It, it's worth it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's bringing something to you that's so significant for you, not, you know, maybe for your bank account or... But this is like, this is what it means to dignify the heart that we've been given is to let it lead us, you know? Mm -hmm. I love the scripture of like, trust in the Lord with all your heart and he'll give you your desires. Like all of a sudden I find myself desiring to write songs or to do something that's like way off my normal radar and the really thing i love about being artistic whether it's in the backyard or with a song or writing a song for someone is that anyone can do it and yet no one does it the same right Mm -hmm. and the thing with songwriting is you just don't know whether you're going to be a part of a successful song or not. And like the, you know, the old song, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, right? That was written by a stay-at-home mom. Like she was doing dishes in the kitchen and wrote that song. It really came came from nowhere. (laughs) It came out of nowhere to someone. And it, went everywhere and i could just i could go on and on and on about these songs there's an awesome podcast that a centricity writer paul duncan has a podcast on uh but he did an interview with the gal that wrote man in the mirror for michael jackson she was nobody she was not a song writer per se she was a backup singer and someone in her journey was like, you should write a song. She walked into this session and it changed her whole life. And songwriting becomes such a avenue for relationships. Uh, When you write with someone, gosh, it's a really great way to get to know people, to be creative together. Like you've made a memory that you probably will never forget. Right. And I think this kind of pursuit has a way of connecting us with people as well as stewarding an idea or a thought and taking it to the next level. I think you raise an an interesting question of like, so what, what do you do with these songs? 
So these songs, you know, they get written. You sure. know, you send around the Word document to everybody. You yep. airdrop the, you know, the little rough demo recording that you did on a phone. Yep. But now what? You know, those four people, you know, that I wrote that song with, everybody uh-huh. flew back home to, you know, where they're from. And what happens next? Because I think right. probably a lot of songwriters feel this way. They're like, okay, well, I write songs, but what was that for? And what do I do with it next? Totally. Which, by the way, I feel like, I don't know this firsthand, but I feel like I have enough data to go on that Chris Tomlin's still asking that question, right? Okay, we wrote this song. Now, what do we do with it? Like, what are the options? And of course, he's got a few more options than many of us when it comes to songs. But it's still the question and it's still the risk of even if we do something with it, will it even work or will it even matter? Mm-hmm. So are you suggesting that maybe we just hold them hold them a little more loose? Because maybe I'm thinking from it too much from a capitalistic perspective of like, we must now do something with it. It must sure. produce and make money for us or... Right, monetize. Um, and maybe we should just be writing for the joy of it and that's it. Mm, such another element of risk. Like I took, I even took the risk to sit down for three or four hours and pour my heart into this and now i believe in it like now what is it worth right because it's like is this a waste of time right what what does this produce i think it produces a lot more than just what's monetizable but i also know that it can be it can be monetized right it can be shared we can dress it up package it as a piece of artwork right as a you know recording art right but I guess I, I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm super concerned with what people do with it. Hmm. Uh, and maybe, maybe I should be, but I think everyone's in their own process and some people aren't ready to go to the next level with it. But I definitely think like this becomes like a, how do we support this idea? And at what point are we ready to continue? And at what point are we like, well, we tried. Now we're done. Yeah. Now we're going to move on. Right. Because right, sometimes you can spend hours and not get anything. Absolutely. Yeah. But this, this pursuit, for instance, at our last gathering in Colorado, these four women got together and wrote a song because they had all been through the loss of a child, whether through miscarriage or stillbirth. I think those were the two categories. I don't think any of them had were any later than that but just this loss and so they decided to write a song out of this place and at the end of the event we do a showcase and everyone plays their songs and they played their song and melted the whole room and my kids as we're driving in the car the other day they just out of nowhere a couple of them started singing that song Right, I, and I'm like, wow! <laughs> How did this experience connect with my my kids? And I still think about that song, and I still am like, I want to call them up and be like, hey guys, <laughs> what's next? Right. So I do think, and let me be a little more helpful in what do I do with this song because I've experienced this a ton as a writer. When something sticks with you. I think after writing it, you do need to give it some time. Give it a week or two and come back and see if there's any stickiness to it. 
What is it that's resonating with you? Do you remember how it goes? If you can't remember it, how are other people going to remember it? So I use that kind of as a test of like, does this carry weight Mm -hmm. or is it a conversation I need to come back to? Right. And I think once that place, like even a young writer who's writing by themselves, they're like, well, what do I do with my songs? I'm like, well, you should play them and make them available, right? How can other people interact with them if you don't voice them in the present and if no one can get a hold of them? Of course, now, like, putting some songs up on YouTube is awesome. Like, what a gift, right? Right. It can go anywhere. Instantly shareable. And also, I think the art of performing live, whether you're a great singer or not, or a great performer or not, is really, really good work. Yeah. Because ultimately, you're sharing your story. You are, and you're refining and maturing your own voice in front of other people. Right. And that's also an extremely collaborative endeavor. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the co-write event. At the very end, we did like a three-hour song showcase where everybody got to get up on stage and share the songs they wrote. It takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah, and they weren't polished at all, but people were so just like overjoyed, like giving the opportunity to, to play these songs in front of people. Yeah, aren't we all like hoping that what's precious to us can be made visible or witnessed by other people? Right. That's like a primal need, isn't it? I didn't see one person come off that stage without a huge smile on their face. <laughs> like, yeah, like that just happened. <laughs> yes. And that song was just written like a couple hours ago with strangers that I didn't even know two days ago. Totally. And I think that's also one of the cool things about co-writing is that maybe you aren't the one that has to carry it. It might be kind of cool to see how someone else in your group, maybe they bring it back to their church and play it. Yep. And kind of report back on how it went or... I mean, not to get all like biblical, these are how stories kind of get shared and interpreted and held and passed on, right? Like Jesus didn't do any recordings, he didn't write anything down, and yet people just kept, they kept turning the stories over and over like soil, right? And those seeds just kept growing and kept spreading, you know? And I think that's, that's the kind of work that we're involved in. Totally. And however they get packaged, I don't know that there's a formula to the packaging. I think there is just care for that seed and that fruit, you know, that needs right. to take place. Right. That's important work. One of the moments in Co-Write that I'd love for you to talk about is during one of the early sessions, you give a talk and then at the end you start talking about how, you know, I'm, I'm going to play for you a song now that's the best song I ever I've ever written. And actually, I didn't let the people on who are listening to the podcast know that Jared has written tons of songs. Lord, I'm Amazed and Great I Am and a lot of songs you've probably heard. But he says this, and then everyone's thinking you're going to get up and play like Rescue or <laughs> Great I yeah. Am. But you get up and you play this song called Neptune's Taming of a Seahorse, which I think totally shocks people because it's not at all, <laughs> at all like what they're thinking it's going to be. Yep. And it's like this song that breaks like tons of rules in a way. I don't even know. I don't even know if it's, it's not even breaking rules. Cause like who's, who's saying what the rules are, but that's another topic for discussion. Yeah. But explain to me, like tell everybody, why do you even go into that? Like, what is the point you're trying to make? I kind of have to go to my own story 
in this, I feel like in order to be transparent or authentic or true, because honestly, I spent so much of my kind of formative years being like, I will never work at a church and leading worship is lame. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like I, I cannot do that for my life. Like that's, it's just kind of cheesy. You know, what is this? Am I doing leading like karaoke songs? Like, right. And what music and songwriting was for me at the beginning was it was a way to color outside the lines and it was a way to tell people how I felt and all the misgivings and the disappointments. And it was a way to get out of the box and actually a way to get back at the people where, who are putting me in the box wow. as a weapon. Because I may not be able to say something to you without you retaliating against me, but if I sing it, you are much less likely to even know about it, and yet I'm still just as strong. Mm. It was a way to identify like my own kind of inner warrior. <laughs> right. Right. And so it is really like disarming when I play that song because I'm not trying to get anyone to sing with me or I'm not trying to be popular or hooky or interesting, maybe interesting. But um, a lot of those other goals just are completely irrelevant. But when I sing it, you're like oh my gosh, this guy is so in his element right now. Like He's so just like working it out. Yeah, yep. <laughs> which I love that. What, what it is for me, and that's what it does for me, and it's yeah. so useful. Yeah. It's so helpful to just have a space for that. Oh, totally. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen at a songwriting retreat, especially when it's a bunch of worship people, because it's so freeing. It's like saying just be who you are and write what you're feeling, write what you want to write. Like you don't have to like follow all the rules and stay in a box. Yeah. You can be unique. And I feel like, because if you were to get up there and just play like, you know, the best worship song you ever wrote, everyone's going to be sitting there thinking, you know, studying the song, thinking, well, I need to write one like that. Or they'll start thinking, I can't write one like that. Or, and I just feel like it's such a freeing thing and actually you should get on youtube and search neptune's taming of a seahorse because i think it's on there well neptune's taming of the seahorse came rather late for an average year and i thought you might be the interested one out of all the idiots here and gentlemen to your engines there's another hundred miles to go Citizens to your children, there's a generation to grow, and history has more than I have found, and chivalry will come around. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the things you've taught me, and we've we've been friends for the past two years, I think. Yeah. And you've taught me a lot of things. I was a part of a worship ministry that immediately put me in a box. There was a day when I was like, I loved songwriting. I found so much joy in it. And like Peter Pan, who forgot who he was, when I was on staff at this church, and they immediately put me in a box and just squashed my dreams and kind of just discouraged my writing, honestly. 
mm-hmm. because they set up all these rules. Oh, you can't say it like that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a good song. You can't use that kind of you know terminology. Oh, that's not theologically correct or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really it really discouraged me, and I feel like you've helped me to kind of see like I can live outside of a box, like and be free. And I think that's what you're doing at this co-write event. Well, man, thank you for your kind words. And it's even difficult conversation to have because, and I'm noticing this even in my own, raising my own kids, my son will finish eighth grade. My oldest will finish eighth grade this week and today's his last day. And I wrestle with like, am I just like, am I like a puppy mill a little bit? Like, am I just churning these children out to make me look good? Right? Do I need them to do something for me? Hmm. Like, I need you to pay attention so that you get the grade so that I don't have to financially support you, you know, much longer. <laughs> right? Like, and I think oftentimes we've done that in the church pretty heavily. Like, the kids that are really into it and gifted and beautiful in the youth group end up kind of being harvested in some ways to get involved, be a part of the preparation, be a part of the presentation and be in leadership, right? Like you have what it takes. We believe in you. Look, like we're going to challenge you. We're going to like pull the best out of you. And I don't know if we're delivering on those promises in a lot of ways, right? Like, Actually, we have already set what you need to be like, Mm -hmm. and you need to kind of stick with it, right? or else you're not in the club. Yeah, it's interesting. We take ourselves too seriously and become like worship snobs, worship songwriting Uh snobs. Oh, bro. Yeah. It's like, well, you need to be like this and sound like this. And instead of celebrating the uniqueness, I was like, wow, you did say that very differently than... (laughs) Right. Maybe I would say it, but it doesn't make it wrong, you know? And the purpose of all this is like for us to be connected, right? Like communion, right? It's it's not our blood and our body, it's his blood and like we're the recipients of it in the same room. Like yeah. like he made the music, he made the words. We're responding to what we've been given, right? Yeah. There was a comment from someone who came to co-write and, you know, and I'll I'll read it now because keep in mind, this is written from someone who, you know, didn't know anybody that was coming. (laughs) You know, most of the people didn't know many, many people. And he says, you know, I'm still feeling a deep sense of gratitude for the opportunity I had last week to write with these friends of mine, you know, because people become friends after that. They do. You kind of go into battle together. And then he goes on to say this, which I think is really profound. He says, I read somewhere that true collaboration has no hierarchy. These writers that came were inspiring to me. Yes, they were very creative, but even more, more than just their creativity, they were humble, honest, and willing to listen to each other. Well, Jared, I, uh, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate just how much you challenge me as a human being, but as a writer as well, and as a father now, and I mean, you've always really just inspired, encouraged me to get out of the box that I've been put in. And that's the journey I'm on now is I got to get out of this box. I want to go hang out where Jared's at, (laughs) you know, and man, I think that there's so many worship leaders and writers who probably feel that way Mm, Wow. and they need to be surrounded by community who's encouraging that. Mm. 
mm-hmm. who's like, man, yeah, just write it. You know, like, don't worry about the rules. Yep. Just write and play and sing and be who we always say that here at Loop Communities. We want people to just be who God created you to be. Like, sound like you. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to sound like someone else. Just sound like you. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. And oh man, where can people go to just like find more of your music or co-write? Co-writecommunity.com is our website, which is mainly just kind of a registration for the next uh, event and whatnot. And then co-write co on Instagram and Facebook. I think Facebook's co-write community. Golly, I should be better at this stuff. I should know it better. Just but search co-write on Facebook. You'll find it. <laughs> right, you'll, you'll find it. And then my handles are just Jared Anderson. So Awesome. Bro, I appreciate the opportunity. It's a blast to partner with you guys. and It's true like friendship. So everything I just feel mutually about this journey so thank you yeah man it's a blast it's good love you brother thanks for joining yeah thank you so john that was an interesting interview i uh can't help to think you know we talked most of the time about writing songs co-writing yeah you and i are both writers you are definitely a better writer than i am and a career writer would you call yourself a career writer yeah, I call myself like a vocational writer. Like I, I see that as like connected to like right. my vocation for sure. And you're also on staff at a church where you have been. I know that when you're on staff at a church, there's a lot of things that you have to do to be a worship leader at a church that, you know, there's a lot more that goes beyond just standing up on stage and singing the songs. You have to do a lot of administrative work, you know, planning center, picking songs, handling people. People are texting you, I can't make it. You have to find someone else, problem solving meetings you know having performance reviews whatever ordering food for (laughs) some event and there's a lot of things that are part of a worship leader jobs that maybe you like find miserable i don't know i'm not saying you but like worship leaders like it's like totally this is the part of my job i can't stand i just want to be on stage and sing yeah or i just want to write songs or whatever how do you even stomach the stuff that you're just like maybe this isn't my superpower this isn't my thing i have to do it because it's a part of my job I mean, I've been blessed to kind of be a contract worship leader for pretty much since 2012. So a lot of those responsibilities I haven't really had to do. I think that there's a lot of people who the majority of their life is spent doing things that they don't want to do. I mean, that's kind of life. Whether it's in church or whether it's not in church, it's like so much of life is kind of just, it's sort of that that discipline, like you just kind of have to do it. But I do think that, you know, we have this idea that God has called everybody to something like this is like a fundamental premise of the christian like everybody is meant to reflect the image of god in an idiosyncratic unique way we are made in the image of god we are made to reflect that into the world some people do that creatively some people do that through business some people do it through just parenting it's like we all do that in our own unique way and i think sometimes there's these impulses especially if you're a worship leader you have these impulses to like you love music you love songs, you love singing, and maybe you love writing. Some people don't. Some people do. And for those of us who do, it's like the Sunday morning thing is, for me, I've seen it less as like, this is when I'm trying to make my unique image-bearing contribution to the world and more like, because of my calling as a songwriter and as an artist, because of that, I have skills that I've developed. I can play guitar, I can sing, I can work with a band. I am sensitive to the 30 minutes when we're singing songs and I can do something with that sensitivity that can serve the people. 
because of that, I can use that on a Sunday morning to, you know, serve the church. And so I see it more as like a service, mm. less of like I'm trying to to really bring my image bearing contribution to bear. Yeah, if that makes sense. Right. I really do think it's a vocation. You know, the word for vocation comes from vacare. It's like a Latin word means like call. Like you hear this, do this. Which I don't know. Have you felt that in your life towards like something? And what is that? Yeah. Well, it's been a very confusing thing for me because I always felt like I was called to lead worship. Hmm. And I did that for 20 years. I had a whole career in leading worship. And then it completely changed. And I became the guy running a tech company, helping worship leaders lead worship. Huh. And well, I didn't even ask for that. So it's like, I've actually had seasons where I'm like very confused. Like, well, wait, what is my calling? Because I thought my calling was to lead worship. I didn't know that that changed. Apparently it did. I didn't get the notice, you know? Interesting. So, yeah, so that that is very interesting because I do think that, you know, Tim Keller has this thing says, my wife has been married to 20 different men. All of them have been me, which is in, in the marriage book, Meaning of Marriage, which is really- It's a great book. Such a great book. But I think that concept works the same with calling. I think our calling does shift in season sometimes, but I think there's a nucleus that stays the same. And I think sometimes we misidentify what the- practical thing is for what the nucleus is and that's a hard thing i mean that that's just that's something that i feel like in prayer with spiritual direction with advisors with friends with spouses it's like these are things that we kind of constantly have to you know i don't know sort through yeah but in a lot of ways for those of us in like vocational ministry or those who are like full-time at a church this might come as a comfort to them or as a sadness but i think there's a few people in vocational ministry who feel like I'm absolutely called to leading worship vocationally. I think a lot of people fell into it. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, they go from being the worship leader, maybe five years later, they're like, well, actually, I, I'm more of like a family pastor person, or I'm more of like an executive pastor person. And they move into those roles. And really what they're called to do is like, feed my sheep, like right. serve serve God. And sometimes that means with your guitar, sometimes that means with a sermon or with small groups or what have you. Or sometimes it's... It's not any of those things, you know? It's like serve God in business or serve God by serving other people who are doing that. What I liked about what Jared was talking about, specifically with the songwriting piece, is he has, and you can just tell this from the interview, he just kind of has this gift for blessing the impractical, which I think is is very godly, like, because sometimes God calls you to something that feels very impractical, and you think of Noah. It's like, mm-hmm. very impractical, like, what the heck, where are you doing this? Where are you right. building this? And I think calling sometimes, God calls some of us to some of those risks, like do this thing that I'm calling you to do, Abraham, I'm calling you out. And one of my favorite poets says, if the word vocation means anything to you, if you're like, ooh, yes, that excites me, then you need to figure out what yours is and be doing that because otherwise you're going to live the most miserable life. Hmm. Even if your job is doing whatever, carve out time to be working on your vocation. And I would resonate with that because you can do a lot of things for money and to pay the bills, but like... Mm-hmm. why did God really put you on this earth? Why do you think that is? And do that, even if it's scary. What if that thing you've tried and you're doing it and it just doesn't feel like it's working? Hmm. And maybe not working shows itself in that it's not making money, not paying the bills. Maybe people aren't recognizing it. But you're just like, no, this is what I was called to do. I've got to do this. This is what brings me life. You know, at what point do you just give up? Totally. And you're like, well, maybe I'm just banging my head against the wall. or Maybe I made up the call. You know, like, am I saying that God gave me this calling? Right. But it actually didn't. And I think sometimes that can come from other people, which Jared actually touched on that very briefly about how 
uh, he was talking about kids and children's ministry and we're like raising them up to like lead the church and something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that like other people can actually say they heard a call for you. <laughs> so like maybe it's a parent who's right, like, right. oh, Johnny. Oh, I right. just said Johnny, not because of your name, but just <laughs> a general. Oh, Timmy, you know, you're so gifted. You love music. You're mm-hmm. so good at music. You're a great singer. You are anointed. All right, let's get deeper. Oh, you're, you're anointed. Right. When you lead worship, it's an, you're anointed. And you have a call in your life for this. You need to do that. And so little Timmy grows up, you know, pursuing that because their mom or whatever said, that is your calling. Mm-hmm. But Timmy then keeps doing it and realizes this isn't working. It doesn't feel like my calling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So sometimes it can come from like an outside voice. And what do you do with that? That can be very hard. Gosh, the calling thing, the calling thing is so hard. It's like... <sighs> It doesn't feel like a fine line to me between delusion and between calling. I've got like nine things swimming around. The first thing I'm thinking of is the Free Solo documentary. Have you seen that on yeah. Hulu? I was so scared for that guy. So Free Solo is this documentary about this guy named Alex who solo climbs these huge rocks. No ropes. No ropes. So he's suspended in the air by his fingers and his toes climbing these rocks and he could die. Life is in his hands. Beginning of the movie, he talks about difference between risk and consequence And I thought it was genius and they just blew past it. But the consequences, if something goes wrong, are very large. But that is different than taking a very large risk. Because for him, he's like, I try to work so hard so that the risk is actually minimized. Meaning I try to work so that I know the rock like the back of my hand. All the factors I can control, like the strength of my fingers. My mental strength in putting fear away. And I think a lot of times when we think of calling, we think, Oh, it's so risky. But in a lot of ways, it is and it isn't. The consequences are big, but the risk, I don't know. I think, I think God equips us for our calling. He equips us in a lot of different ways. Opportunity, talent, discipline, people around us encouraging us. Sometimes it is like, oh my gosh, you are somebody who's never written songs and maybe you feel a calling to write songs and you've been maybe an accountant your whole life or something then maybe we think through that. Like, why do you feel that? What is going on there? But Frederick Buechner has this thing, you know, where does your greatest joy and the world's greatest need intersect? Maybe there's a calling there. Maybe that's kind of like... Hmm. And there's place and there's room for hobbies. But a calling, I think, is something different. A calling requires then blood, sweat, and tears and effort. And Yeah. Do you think a calling, if you're given a calling, then you're going to be equipped for that calling? I do believe that. Like God will give you what you need. If he's calling you to do something, he's going to give you what you need to do that. Or he's made available what you need. You know, you then have to, it's both like trust and effort and like work. Mm -hmm. If if somebody is called to like start a nonprofit because there's a great need in an area, that doesn't mean they don't have to like raise money or, you know what I mean? It's like there's still something that needs to happen there. Right. So what do you think a worship leader who's on staff at a church can do if they feel like maybe they've been pigeonholed or put in a box to do a certain role, but it maybe is not what they feel their calling is or their superpower or their specialty, their their passion. And they're not being given opportunities to express that. Would you say that means that they're not (laughs) in the right role or that they need to leave? I mean, I'd probably, no, I mean, I'd probably, you know, talk to, trusted friends ask them what they think about it i've known some people who feel that way then they talk to their wives or like 
well, you've got four kids and we can't afford for you to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, right. You got to work. But I would say definitely listen to that voice, like with attentiveness. Right. Because I think our culture is maybe built to be practical. And sometimes the life of faith is not super practical. Hmm. But I think, you know, that's obviously like a case by case basis, I would say. So I think whether you're a songwriter professionally, whether you're a songwriter recreationally, or whether you're somebody who just enjoys the creative process, you know, songs are a great gift to the church and they're a great gift to individuals who are giving their lives to it. And I think I think it's it's cool that God made us creative and made us with a desire to make something out of nothing. And it's amazing that we can engage with him both in the process and both in the end goal. It's just such a it's such a gift that he's made us that way. Um, and I'm just so grateful for guys like Jared who are building their lives around empowering other people to do it and then being examples of people who are giving their lives to it. Yeah. I do love that. And I think it's a good reminder too for worship leaders who are leading their teams to like be looking a little deeper in all the people that you're leading and seeing like what gold, what passion is like buried deep inside of them that just needs to be unearthed and given an opportunity to shine and praising that in people. Being like, you're like so great at that. Let's hear that. You know, bring it. Because I think we all wish people would do that for us. And we all have people in our lives that we can do that for. Mm. And I think that's really always an important thing to remember. Thanks for joining us on the Leap Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.